Hi, I'm Tiffany, founder of StarSinger.co.co and the Star Singer Green Room. And I know that you want to bring out your best singing performances, and I am so excited to help you do that with the Star Singer's Guide to Great Performances, which you can get for free at starsinger.co slash p slash guide. So go there right now and get your free guide. Get ready to give great performances. Today we're going to be talking about something new, songwriting. You might be wanting to write your own music and perform your own songs, and today we're here with expert Cliff Goldmacher. He's been in the music business for over 25 years. He's a songwriter, producer, engineer, author, and owner of recording studios in Nashville, Tennessee, and Sonoma, California. He's been a session musician. He's recorded and played on and produced thousands of recordings. He has multiple songs in the top 40 of the jazz charts. Cliff's song, Till You Come to Me, went to number one. Cliff teaches workshops for BMI, ASCAP, the Stanford Jazz Workshop, NARAS, LinkedIn Learning, the Songwriters Guild of America, the Nashville Songwriters Association International, Taxi, and the Durango Songwriters Expo. So he has a lot of experience, and I am super excited to talk to him today. And we're going to talk about you can actually hear your singing improve once you develop a more emotional connection with the song that you are singing and you're thinking about what you're wanting to say, which is something that you're definitely going to do if you're writing your own songs, right? We're going to talk about the process of writing your own song and how to start. Like, do you start with music, lyrics, melody? Like, what comes first? We talk about finding song ideas and connecting with others through your own original music how songwriters make money, and he's even going to give you a little challenge at the very end of the episode. So I'm so excited. Let's dive right in. I'm so excited to be here today with Cliff Goldmacher. We're going to learn all about songwriting, original music, and the careers that are available to you as a songwriter. So maybe you're feeling like you know, you're not sure if performing is the way to go. Maybe you just want to write songs. Maybe you want to do your own original music. And we talk a lot about the performance side of things. And in this episode, I really wanted to give you guys an expert on another side of the industry for you to explore. So Cliff, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, how you help singers and what you do? Absolutely. So I feel like it's important to mention that I started out, as I think a lot of songwriters do, as a performer. So before I ever wrote songs, I was playing instruments and doing some singing. And I got to a point in my career, probably a couple of years in, where I realized that I wanted to express myself a little bit more, not just as a performer, but as a writer. So one of the first and most important things that I did was I went from a small town in Northern California to Nashville because I knew that if I was serious about the songwriting, I needed to surround myself with a lot of like-minded people who were doing the same kinds of work that I wanted to be doing and so that I could see them at all stages of the career. So I, I got there and of course I met people who were also 
fresh off the, the bus like I was. But then there were also hit songwriters. And we all, the, the beautiful thing about a town like Nashville, and I am assuming this is similar in Los Angeles, and I've also spent some time in New York, is that those communities tend to find each other. And, and it really is a tremendous source of support if you're willing to look at it that way. So for me, and this was the early 90s, I moved to Nashville and just kind of immersed myself in the songwriting culture and learned as much as I possibly could. And I, I would be lying if I told you it was an easy time. I mean, when you're starting to learn your craft and you can kind of see where you want to be and the longer you're there, the more you realize how far you actually are from that goal. It takes a lot of patience. And I was fortunate enough to have the support of family and friends. And I, I was able to stick it out to a point where it started to get good. But just by way of setting expectations, uh, I love what I do and I would do it no matter what. But it was 15 years from the time I started songwriting until the first major label artist recorded one of my songs. Now, as they say in infomercials, results may vary. But, but that was my experience. So for me, it took, a, it took a quite a while um, before I got to a place in my career where I was actually generating income from my songs. The good news is once that happened, zero to one is a much greater distance than one to a hundred. So the next however many instances of my songs generating income, that came much, much more quickly than that first one. Um, but it does take some time and it does take a real desire to do what you love no matter whether it's generating income or not for a good long time before you get to that place. Um, I will tell you that as a singer, and I sing fine. I am fine as a singer. I'm nothing special, but it became much easier to sing for me when I was singing things that I was directly connected to emotionally. That was just a, a very important through line in my work. You know, once I was starting to sing about songs, uh, that, that were meaningful to me because I had written them, it became easier to find my voice, not just as a writer, but as a singer. Awesome. I love uh -huh. that. And that's going to be super, super comforting for a lot of the people listening to this. We have singers of all levels, but some people might feel, like you said, pretty proficient, but I'm not sure if I'm going to be on, you know, American Idol or The Voice and they're going to turn around for me. <laughs> but I love this idea of connection as an artist and kind of getting over yourself in order in a way and the judgment of your voice to just connect with your audience and say what you want to say. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> For me, a lot of, a lot of singing and I had some, some really helpful voice lessons along the way, but for me, it was very much about the message and not about the sound of my voice. The second I started to um, pay attention to what I was actually trying to say and less attention to how I sounded, the better I sounded, for lack of a better way to put it. So it really did for me come from a place of, now I have something that is meaningful to me and I want to say it. And if I remember that, the rest tends to take care of itself. Not that you shouldn't, of course, learn the mechanics of singing, but there's, a, there's an emotional connection to things that really shows up when you're coming from a place of, of connection to your work. Yeah, and I love that. And um, in the opera musical theater world, sometimes we'll do character analysis. We'll like dig out, grab the emotions of the song, try singing a song angry, try singing a song sad. And it really does affect the voice differently Absolutely. because we're humans. Mm -hmm. So what are some ways 
this may be a loaded question, but what are some ways that you might suggest someone who's never tried to write a song before to get started? What's the process like? Well, so it has everything to do with sort of what your background is. I am assuming because the people who will be listening to this podcast are, are most likely already musical on some level, whether they sing or want to sing, that's already sort of baked into the kind of person who's going to be listening. So I'll speak to that. I think, I think what it comes down to when it comes to writing songs is figuring out the most distilled way to express what it is you're feeling. Uh, there are some wonderful books on songwriting that were huge helps to me starting out. Um, but, but before we even talk about that, the way that I sort of learned what makes songs work is from the years and years I spent what I refer to as playing brown eyed girl for drunk people. Meaning I played guitar and sang in bars and I sang songs that people wanted to hear. And the reason they wanted to hear those songs is because they were hits. So if you start by figuring out what it is that works in the songs that you already know and love, that's generally a good starting point. Like what is the structure of those songs? How do they approach the verses? What are the choruses like? Are the choruses simple or complicated? You know, more often than not, and this is something that I think it took me time to come to realize was that songs are, are much, much more simple than we think they are. So there's this tendency when you're starting out as a songwriter to kind of want to put it all in there. And the reality is it's, it's about just putting in the essence of what you want to say and letting the listener put the rest of it together themselves. So, so, in terms of some beginner advice, look to the masters, listen to the songs that you like and kind of figure out what they're doing. Maybe even try writing a parody lyric to a song you already know, just so you can get the, the feeling of writing words to an existing melody. Um, but when in doubt, write less. That is, that is definitely some advice I would give anybody starting out. Um, as far as books, some of the formative books for me early on, there is a book called Bird by Bird by a writer named Anne Lamott, L-A-M-O-T-T-E, that is just a beautiful uh, exploration of the writing process. There's a wonderful book by a, a former Berkeley professor, Berkeley College of Music professor named Pat Pattison, and that book is called Writing Better Lyrics. That was a game changer for me. So, and then another very, very big one for me was The Artist's Way, which is written by a woman named Julia Cameron. And it was just a really important way to explore what it means to be an artist on, on all levels, by the way, not just as a songwriter, certainly as a singer and any way that, that art is appreciated. So those are three books that were hugely helpful to me starting out. Awesome. So we're writing less. And what is your process like or have you seen other processes in that? So we have a couple of different uh, vehicles. We've got the words we've got the music, and then I guess we have, we'll call it the performance aspect. Sure. Um, I don't know, is there anything you'd want to add to that, being that you're the expert? Depending on who you ask. Uh, sure, <laughs> so, so one of the things that I realized as I continue to write more and more songs, and write more and more songs in a collaborative process with other writers, one of the things that I began to realize, which wasn't clear to me early on, was um, that I was much more comfortable lyrically than I was melodically. 
my melodies were fine. They were kind of like my voice, fine. They weren't particularly inspired. They didn't have that little magic. But because I didn't know what I didn't know, I just thought I was writing songs and everything kind of worked until I started to write songs with great melody people. And all of a sudden, it felt like my lyrics were better because they sounded better. Because the framework that I was hanging my lyrics on was just so much more interesting and innovative. All of a sudden, I thought, wow, my lyrics sound really good. Why is that? And it took me, I'm condensing this. It took me years to figure out, okay, when I write with people who are great melody writers, my lyrics work better. And I should find people who are great melody writers because lyrics come more naturally to me to begin with. And I assure you, and you even mentioned this before we got started, there are plenty of people who can't imagine writing lyrics, but they can certainly imagine singing. Great. So if you're more of a melody person, if you're more of a music person, maybe look for a collaborator who is a lyric person and vice versa. So for me, it wasn't until I realized, okay, here's where I'm strong and here's where I'm not as strong. If I can find someone who's strong where I'm weak and vice versa, we will both end up writing a song that is better than either one of us could have done by themselves. And once I realized that everything got easier and everything got better. And these days, a large part of the work that I do is writing with artists for their records. Now, more often than not, artists are performers and performers generally have great voices and people with great voices have a tendency to be more melodically oriented, not always, but often more melodically oriented than lyrically oriented. So I'm sort of uniquely equipped to write with artists for their records because I, I'm also the son and brother of therapists. So I'm a good listener. And to be able to sit with an artist and help them put into words what it is that they're feeling and then have them use their melodies to sort of bring it to life. So it's a working combination, at least it has been for me. So it's, is it kind of like a ghostwriter for a biography in a way, or is it more collaborative than that? It is, it is collaborative in the same way that a ghostwriter is a collaborative experience. Like a ghostwriter who doesn't have a story to write doesn't work. It is very similar to that in that 99.9% uh, .9 of the people who go to a concert and listen to a singer sing a song think, the singer must have written that. Right, right. The, the reality is that the work that I do, it is the extremely rare and very gracious performer who will mention their collaborators when they perform. It's always deeply appreciated from, from our perspective as the collaborator. But more often than not, it's exactly what you said. It is very similar to being a ghostwriter. And like, uh, that's so interesting because it's almost like you're taking what they want to say and putting it in their voice, but making it better. That's the hope. <laughs> awesome. So do you find oftentimes in the songwriting process, the lyrics do come first, or even if you are writing your own songs, um, maybe some of the listeners aren't ready to collaborate or they've had those experiences at school where they had the projects and they ended up doing it all themselves anyway, um, <laughs> or just, just to start the process if they were doing it a little bit more on their own. I mean, do you find that different people, like the lyrics will come first or there will be like a little spark of melody or they'll be diddling on their guitar and they'll be like, oh, I love this chord progression. This is cool. Or what in your experience do you find or 
or think might be a good process to start? You know, it's amazing to me in the years that I've been doing this, the variety of ways that I've seen songs um, get written. Uh, I've done it every single way you just described, from um, melody and lyric coming together, to sitting down with an instrument and just kind of humming until something good happens, to writing an entire lyric and sending it off to someone who writes an entire melody, to having someone send me an entire melody and writing a lyric to it without ever consulting with them. The reality is there's, there's no one proper way to do it. If you're just starting out um, and you do play an instrument, it might be nice to sit down with the instrument and begin just sort of playing some chords and seeing if that gets you to, to hum a little bit of a melody and then think to yourself, well, what does that little bit of a melody sound like? What words would sit on top of that melody? And you can build the whole thing organically that way. Certainly songs are written that way all the time. Um, and sometimes you just have something to say and you write the whole thing down lyrically first. It's, there is really no one way to do it. Um, but if you're just starting out and you do play an instrument or you sing, maybe just starting the process by singing a little bit of a melody and figuring out what it is you want to say or, or what that melody sounds like to you. I do that a lot when I hear a melody. What does this melody sound like? What are the words that I'm kind of, that are popping into my head when I hear this melody? Awesome. And trust that by the way, trust that feeling. Like if you, if, if it sounds like um, the word is, you know, forever, if da 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 sounds like forever, then trust it and start with that. You don't have to second guess yourself. More often than not, we do our best work when we get out of our own way. Awesome. So do you find, speaking of second guessing and intuition, do you find that most of the time what you write the first time is what you keep or is there an editing process? Um, how does that work for you? <laughs> so early on, I kept less of what I wrote the first time. These days, you know, they, they, I'll, I'll give you a brief aside. They asked a hit songwriter how long it took him to write his latest hit. And his answer was three hours and 25 years. So <laughs> there is a, there's a lot to be said for, for spending years and years and years writing hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of songs to get to the point where you just completely trust your first instinct because it's sitting on the shoulders of all of that experience. However, early on, I still recommend writing, 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 and not editing until you feel like the song is finished, and then going back and editing. Because if you start to edit too quickly in, this, in the process, what ends up happening is you sort of squish all the inspiration out of it. I feel like it's much better to get all the way through the song, kind of what I refer to as getting your arms all the way around the song first, and then go back and, and squeeze a little bit harder and try and figure out, okay, is this the best possible way I could, have, I, I could have said this? Is it possible that I could say it in fewer lines or, or fewer verses? That kind of thing. Um, so I definitely believe in the editing process. I definitely believe in the editing process. Um, but I, even as a beginner, I wouldn't start to edit until I feel like the song is finished. Love it. And I think as performing artists in any way we do that far too often where you know I'll be working with singers and they'll judge the sound even before it's completely out and it's like okay like like let's not judge it like let's let it come out and put on our scientist coat and then be like okay why didn't that work you know because it's not it's not you it's just why didn't that work you know it doesn't have to be about you and 
what are some ways to have a good topic to start your song? And you mentioned making it more concise, more distilled. So there, <laughs> there is a very, very uh, simple way to get song ideas. And this was a tip given to me years ago by a friend of mine who had had a lot of success. And um, there is something that, that you should know, which is that uh, you cannot copyright a title. So hmm. what my friend recommended is go to a bookstore. Go to a bookstore and walk around and look at book titles. And I promise you will find 100 song ideas immediately. Wait, any title, musically, any books, you any, cannot copyright it. Not the title. Now, wow. that being said, is it a good idea to write a song called Sweet Home Alabama? I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's a terrible idea because there's such a strong association with the title, right? Right. But book titles, great source of, of song ideas. A great source of song ideas. Awesome. But I did not know that. That is very cool. Well, I, I imagine, I mean, they can't, we want to do have still some aspect of freedom. And when it comes to things like love and I mean, we don't want to copyright that title because then no one would be able to write about love. Right. Right. So very cool. What are some ways that you find that lyrics or the performing aspect or the melody really make a connection with the audience? Because these days, sometimes, you know, if, if you're singing at a venue, sometimes it's set up for original music, you know, like there's a festival and you have a listening room and they're ready to go. But sometimes you're more at a venue where, like you said, people are calling out familiar songs and they want to hear the familiar and they don't really, they want to be able to relate to you via the familiar. And that seems to be an easy way for people to relate but how can you connect to people with your own music? Well, one of the things that, that I think about a lot, uh, and it seems counterintuitive at first, is that the songs that are the most personal to you, that you write, more often than not are the ones that connect with the most people. And it comes down to the fact that we're all human and that we all feel similar things in our own way, but we feel similar things. So. You're talking about a couple of things. Performing in a loud bar, that's a, tough, that's a tough place to do original music. However, if you intersperse a couple of originals with songs that people wanna hear, that can help. But when it comes to writing original material and connecting to other people, it is sort of the opposite of what you would think. The more personal the topic, the greater the likelihood that you will connect with a broader audience. And then of course, there is the idea that because songwriting is such a, a personal thing, there's a tendency to want to write slow ballads around these ideas that are heavy personal ideas. So if you can figure out a way to create an up-tempo song while still honoring the ideas that are personal to you, that also improves your chances of getting people's attention because it, in the end, people like the way up-tempo songs feel. So that also helps. Awesome. I love that. And before you talked about the like different stages of a songwriter, like you mentioned, you went to Nashville and you saw 
people in different stages. So what are some different stages that you've seen in the songwriting process? Just so that the listeners can get a little bit more comfortable about it, maybe figure out where they're at, what their next step might be, right. get their feet wet. So, so Nashville uh, has been described to me, and I love this uh, description, as a city full of small town heroes. So <laughs> the first stage is that you feel good enough about your songwriting that you think you can take it to another level. So there's a certain amount of confidence after you've written some songs where you're pretty excited about the work that you're doing. And then when you start to take it to another level, the next stage unfortunately feels like a step backwards when in fact it's not, which is where you realize, oh boy, now I see what really strong songs are, are all about and I'm not there yet. And that's usually, my experience has been that that's usually about two years into your journey. And so about two years into um, your time in a, in a town like Nashville is when a lot of people leave. It's that it's sort of the first narrowing of the field where people think to themselves, oh, I'm not ready to be famous yet. I actually have a lot of work to do. And some people say, okay, now it's time to do the work. And other people say, mm, this isn't going to be for me. So that second stage is a, is a pretty rough one. And then about five years in, if you're, if you're diligent, is when things start to happen, meaning you start to get maybe a little bit more attention from uh, a music publisher, for example, or your songwriting peers start to really respond well to your work. So at five years is about the place where you start to realize, okay, I'm on the right track again, I'm moving forward, I'm getting some industry attention. And then from that point, for me, I've been writing songs for, about five years before I moved, officially moved to Nashville. It was another five years from the time I started to get industry attention until the first major label artist recorded one of my songs. So that's the next sort of level of a career is where your songs actually get recorded by known artists and there's some income to be had, which is great. After that, it's how long it takes if you're fortunate enough to have one of your songs become a hit. And for me, that was another five years after that first song got recorded to when I had a song that went to number one on the charts. So what was it? It was a, a jazz song I wrote with a wonderful artist named Spencer Day uh, called Till You Come To Me. And it went to number one on the jazz charts. Oh, very cool. And that's interesting because like, um, it just made me think of Till. Like there's a lot of Till in jazz. Like and the title and that's really cool because it's a it would be a modern song but it does it sound vintage i haven't heard it i'll have to it, check it out it's got a very interesting kind of 1950s jazz feel to it almost like an austin powers kind of vibe which, <laughs> which was not how we originally wrote it but it was how they ended up producing it for the record uh concord jazz released the record and listen they can produce it however they want as far as i'm concerned that was just fine with me Oh, that's awesome. Well, and um, I'm very unfamiliar, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. How do, does a person make money off of that sort of thing? So there are a couple of ways that songwriters make money on their songs. First is when a song is, is recorded and put on an album by an artist or released as a single, there is what they call a, uh, a mechanical royalty, which means that we get paid based on um, how many downloads, Back in the day, of course, it was how much sheet music was sold and how many CDs or records or cassettes were sold. So that's the actual mechanical royalty. 
Then there is a performance royalty, which means that every time the song streams, or I was fortunate enough to have um, the song performed on television and on the radio, every time that happens, there is a different um, royalty that gets paid in that regard. So there are mechanical and then there are performance royalties. And the combination of those two is what makes up your income. And if you're lucky enough to have a song on the charts, that means it's being played on radio stations all over the country. And the more that it's played and the longer that it's played, the more those royalties come in. Awesome. What are some other potential career options for people who, or ways to make money for people who are interested in writing songs or sharing their music, original music in some way? So beyond having an artist record one of your songs and release it on a, an album, uh, there is also the possibility more and more these days of placing a song with you as the singer, possibly, uh, on a TV show or in a film. So that's another venue where you can place a song, get a payment as the writer of the song, and also get a payment as the owner of the recording if it's your own recording. So that's another way of generating income from your music. There's also getting songs uh, in advertisements, which can be very lucrative. Um, so creating a song that ends up on an Apple commercial or, and, they, and co companies like Apple look for undiscovered artists to put in their commercials. It's just something that makes the, the commercial more interesting. They also have the, of course, the, the pockets to pay for, you know, a U2 song in a commercial, but they look for original material as well. And, and the U2 material is original. I mean, lesser known material. Yeah. And is, is there like some sort of uh, database or something like that, that larger companies search for, or is that all network and connections or how does that work usually? It's, uh, it's a combination of things, but advertising agencies and music houses are usually the ones that look for original material to place with advertisements. It's not the kind of field that you dabble in, meaning you really have to go after that full time if that's, if that's an area where you'd like to have success, because there's, there's a lot of work and a lot of um, rewriting and a very specialized kind of writing that goes into writing for commercials but it is certainly a field that is open to songwriters. Awesome, so cool. And what kind of um, part does relationships and network play in a songwriter's career? Like any career, it's huge. It is the single most important thing that you can do. Um, it was another one of the reasons that I moved to Nashville. I am not by nature a schmoozer. As a matter of fact, I feel like most artists are on some level introverted. That's just sort of part of the, the writing process is being uh, feeling a little bit apart from the crowd so that you can observe and write. Um, so I don't think of networking as staying out till all hours in bars, schmoozing with music industry people. I think of it as here's the best thing I can do is to give you an example. So about five years after my moved to Nashville, I signed a publishing deal. And you would think that I got that deal by writing really great songs and going into a publisher's office, sort of unannounced, showing them the songs and having them say, these are great songs, we would like to sign you to a publishing deal. But the reality is that the day I moved to town, I joined an organization called the Nashville Songwriters Association. It was a place where I could meet other songwriters. I just thought it was a good idea. And the person who was working at the front desk 
had also just moved to town a couple of weeks before. We became friends and five years later, he was running a publishing company and he signed me to my publishing deal because he knew that I had been in town improving in my songwriting. So I'd like to think that I was writing good songs, but it was also because I had a friend who was just a friend uh, who ended up getting in a position where he could do something to bring other writers into a publishing company. He knew me, he knew my work, he knew my character because we were friends. So it was a networking experience, but it was one that happened organically as opposed to me hanging out in a bar and meeting someone in the music business. That's not really how that works. Very cool. Yeah. So get your booty out there and make some friends. <laughs> kind of that. Um, and how do you find that in, you know, this more digital age, those kind of opportunities can present themselves more digitally? <laughs> well, certainly social media. That's the, the clearest example of following people that you like or that you admire, um, expressing interest in what they are doing as opposed to immediately trying to promote yourself, I think is, is a great way to start and will immediately set you apart from 99% of the songwriters out there. I understand the desire to promote yourself. You're passionate about what you do, but if you just take a moment and be a human and realize that everybody likes to be asked about what they're working on and spend a little time finding people who you admire, asking them what they're working on, eventually it will come around to what you're working on too, but maybe not starting that way would be a good way to, to make a, a better and a healthier connection. Yeah, I mean, we've all seen those um, comments on YouTube or Instagram. Hi, I like your stuff, follow me. I'm like, right. I'm not gonna follow you. <laughs> it takes a little more time than that. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Um, I think there was one more question that I was really interested in um, because we as artists and performers can kind of be self-conscious. We kind of gauge how the performance is going based on feedback from the audience. And a lot of people think that feedback might just be applause, smiles, like constant engagement or eye contact. Have you ever seen audience connection look very different than just like applause? It's a great question. So, so, so much of um, performing is about connection, right? But I will tell you, I've, I've had the opportunity to perform a decent amount in France. And it's a very different sort of cultural phenomenon, meaning the applause is very sort of polite and the audiences are more reserved. And there's this tendency to think, I'm just not going over at all. Like this isn't working until you realize how deeply what you're doing is affecting people by talking to them after the show. So, so I don't think that basing your opinion of your own show strictly on applause to your point is, is the most accurate way to do it. I think the most important thing, and I, I talk to songwriters about this too, are you communicating your vision in a way that feels meaningful to you. If you are doing that, you are guaranteed to connect to people. If you are sincere and honoring your music and your approach, that will connect to people because people respond to sincerity. Uh, I heard a great 
definition of music uh, from a, a super successful music producer named Don Was, who's worked with everybody from Bonnie Raitt to the Rolling Stones to Van Morrison. And he doesn't describe music as good or bad. He describes it as uh, generous or selfish. So generous music is music that you have put out there to give to other people. And selfish music is, hey, look at me and look how great I am. And people will respond to both of those behaviors very clearly. So if your intention is to connect with people and to touch them in a way with what you're doing and to give them something, people will respond to that. And if your sole intention is to be loved, that generally doesn't work. That's so interesting. I have a couple of friends who are really good songwriters and they play out a lot. And they have told me that a lot of the songs that they were just writing for fun, um, they tried it and it's one of their like most requested songs. And they, it's, they don't, they like the song, but they don't like it as much as some of the other songs they'd like to share. But because they get so many requests for it in the audience, then, you know, they share it. So that's an interesting, that's very cool. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> um, what is, what is one thing that you could challenge the listeners to do to if they're thinking about giving this a try, what would be one thing that you would suggest for them to do today or tomorrow or this weekend? <laughs> so, so one of the things that I think um, songwriters or beginning songwriters um, feel like they need is lots and lots of time to sit down and write. Like, I can't write during the week because I only have little 15-minute intervals where I'm free. So I'm going to wait until Saturday where I can sit down for three hours and do this. And then, of course, Saturday comes around and that three hours disappears into 100 things you have to do. So my recommendation and my challenge would be try and write a little bit every day. Don't, don't save it up until you have a big block of time to write. Find 15 minutes every day to sit down and work on your writing. If that 15 minutes expands into an hour, great. But don't wait until you have a big block of time to write work a little bit every day. I think of songwriting as a muscle and the more consistently you work on it, the stronger that muscle will become and the better your songwriting will become. Awesome. I love that for so many reasons. A lot of the singers that I'm working with, you know, they'll come into the studio. I'm like, well, what do you want to sing today? Or, you know, it's time for some new repertoire. Like, what do you want? And they're like, uh, I had so many ideas during the week, but I like just didn't write them down. So Right. I love this. And I also love the idea of that because, you know, you're alluding to the fact this is a skill that can be developed. And especially in an industry where it's so, oh, you're so talented, you know, oh, your voice is so good. You're so good at that. You know, like people think you just come out, you're just born with these abilities and their skills that need to be developed. And you owe it to yourself to develop them if you are passionate about them or you see a spark inside you. Absolutely. So, well, put. well, where can we find you and learn more about you and what you have going on? Probably the easiest is my website, cliffgoldmacher.com. Awesome. Very cool. And I think um, you mentioned that you have a freebie for the audience. It sounds pretty cool. I do. I'm interested. 
I do. It's called a dozen quick fixes to instantly improve your songs. Very cool. That sounds amazing. So I can't wait for everyone to check it out and give us some feedback on how that goes for them. Thank you so much for sharing all of your expertise and knowledge today. And I'm really hoping that it inspires a lot of singers to get out there and start creating something. Well, my pleasure, Tiffany. And thank you so much for having me. This was really a treat and great questions. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Star Singer Podcast. If you are loving this podcast, if you are loving this content, and you want to keep getting more amazing episodes just like this, I would absolutely love it if you could take one minute out of your really busy day and leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps with our rankings, and it's going to allow other singers to be able to find us and join you in your journey to singing better, giving your best performances, and giving amazing auditions. I would so appreciate an awesome rating and review. We're going for five stars here. So thank you so much.